This episode of the Grim and Bloody Podcast is brought to you by the Left Coast Entertainment Group. Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Grim and Bloody Podcast. This show is a presentation of horror, thriller, and suspense and is intended for mature audience. Join us at your own risk. And thank you for joining us on the Grim and Bloody podcast brought to you by Left Coast Entertainment. Uh, and... Uh, also in connection with Desperate Film Fest of Northern California. I'm Kevin Nicholson, uh, writer for HorrorNews.net, Scary Monsters Magazine, We Belong Dead Magazine, and too many others to name. Uh, and with me, as usual, is Al Omega, the uh, uh, popular host of the Creature Features uh, show, uh, currently streaming everywhere. Al, how are you doing? I'm holding up, uh, and you know, I got my rest back after that last convention we went to, which was so awesome to talk to all those people and get to meet our it, fans. It really was, and I'm still recovering from it. And we are very privileged to have a very special guest on with us uh, uh, tonight, who is, uh, gosh, is it's just kind of one of those. I want to say, I'll, I'll flat out say it, one of those icons uh, of the current horror genre. Uh, and that's uh, uh, Ryuhei Kitamura. Let's start. The director of Godzilla Final Wars. For all of you Godzilla and Kaiju fans. Uh, the director of Midnight Meat Train, which if you're Clive Barker fans, and you haven't seen it, shame on you. Uh, and also the more recent The Price We Pay, which is uh, currently out on Amazon Prime and uh, uh, and so forth. It's an absolutely wonderful, um, dark, grisly, but there's some hope to it, chiller, with uh, one of my uh, uh, favorite young actors, uh, well, I guess he's in his 40s now, but Stephen Dorff, who is just uh, uh, fun. Anyway, we have Ryuhei Kitamura. Thank you, sir, for joining us today. Hi, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you are you are very welcome. I'll take it away. Oh, well, you know, we were talking about your work, and so I, I rewatched the Godzilla movie again. Wow. <laughs> and... It was like, you know, just going back to being a kid all over again. Uh, what really struck me, though, was nice to see Godzilla got to win all the battles. Normally, <laughs> of course. It's, he's it's a king of monsters. And death. He's fighting one guy. <laughs> and this time, it's like, he's not taking any prisoners, man. The, the giant man just, oh, yeah, they're dead. I'm, I'm moving on, man. He's not taking any flack. And I just love that we got to see all the old classic guys come back to fight him. Even the aliens, the look of the aliens was, was classic. And uh, I enjoy that ever so much. You know, I, I have people that will tell me, oh, a Godzilla movie is, um, I, I don't want to say uh, simplistic, but we uh, have very obvious character types in it. And when you're in a movie that where things are moving along quickly, you want to be able to say, that guy's the hero and that, that's going to be the romantic love interest. You want that quickly so you can watch all the stuff happen and the sparks fly. So when you got into that, I always like to ask, having worked on a few films myself, what kind of problems did you have? I know that was the mechanized Godzilla head. Did he ever give you any flack? I mean, the, the problem, I mean, when the, I made a movie uh, back in 2004. Yes. And that was the days, you know, the world was basically changing, you know, the changing to the like a computer, changing to the streaming, you know, all the beginning, early, early stage of that. So I knew that um, 
this will be the last time that we do, you know, very old school classic tokusatsu kaiju, you know, movie way, which is basically the man in suit. We actually do it, you know. So, um, you know, I told the producers that, you know, yes, for some part, like the, you know, exilian alien part, we have to use the VFX, but uh, I really want to do as much as we can old school way. So, uh, you know, it was basically, and I was lucky that I was surrounded by uh, those veteran, you know, Tokusatsu crew who's been doing all those, you know, tradition of the Tokusatsu movies. So uh, I, I, I was in good hands. So, um, you know, they, they knew exactly, you know, how to move those, you know, giant spiders, <laughs> giant mantis, you, all those, you know, wires and, you know, all, all the stuff, you know. So, uh, no, no, not, re not really. I didn't have that much problem, you know, because I was surrounded with the experts. Now, unlike uh, a lot of people, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and uh, we have a large Asian community. We have some Asian channels you can watch all the time. So I grew up getting to watch a lot more Japanese TV and movies and a lot of other kids. I got to watch a lot of cartoons. And of course, you worked on Lupin the Third, another, mm -hmm. another series I like uh, very much. Uh, was, was there anything interesting that happened on, on that set that you want to share? That was, yeah, that was long and that was a big movie. And um, when the producer called me, uh, this producer, legendary producer, Mata Yamamoto, uh, he and I made uh, my first big studio movie in Japan called Azumi which was the samurai, you know, nonstop sword fighting action movie. Where's so, um, yeah, he was my really, you know, the first big producer who gave me opportunity to do this studio movie, you know. So he called me up and said, you know, hey, Ryuhei, you know, it's time for you to come back to Japan. So I said, okay, what are we doing? And he said, loop on the third. And first thing I said was, no, <laughs> I, I don't want to do it. And hey, boss, you shouldn't do it because everybody gonna attack you. I mean, Lupin the Third probably equal or maybe even more popular in Japan than Godzilla. Everybody knows wow. we yeah we grew up with Lupin the Third, you yeah. know. So of course you know everybody every generation everybody has their own version of Lupin the Third, and you know how can I fight? <laughs> with everybody's vision, right? So to be honest, I didn't want to do it, but uh, you know, then this producer, he knows me. So he said, you know, it's not easy. That's why I'm calling you. That's why I'm bringing you back all the way from America. You know, you are the only one who can do this. So like, okay, you know. <laughs> so uh, I went back and um, again, luckily I had a great cast. You know, to do all those you know iconic roles like Lupin, Jigen, Fujiko, Zenigata, all ah, those iconic roles. I basically had a superstar, all you know, all star movie, which was fun. You know, and we shot the mainly like eighty percent, eighty five percent in Thailand. You know, part in Bangkok, part in the like deep in the jungle. So the the you know filming of the movie was because it was like long and you know big. It was it wasn't that easy, and but the biggest challenge was it's kind of same you know when i do midnight meat train or the godzilla it's just it's a very big cross you have to carry you know if you you know were chosen you know and you you got luck to do those you know big franchise movie you know which is you know i'm honored but also it's a big cross to carry because everybody has different opinion right and it's like you have to go against all kind of odds, all kind of wind, you know, is against you when you're doing it. But uh, I think, you know, Godzilla Final Wars, Loop on the Side, and even the Midnight Mitrain, I think I, I, I did survive. <laughs> now, I have to uh, throw in that I am a huge fan of Versus. Yes. Where you mix, and I, I see the, the real connection that you uh, mix in the zombie genre with the samurai and uh you're you you're talking about you're kind of telling it's almost like the swordsman uh you know features of the 60s and the late 60s um uh, the uh, the lone wolf mm -hmm. series tough, yeah. but you mm -hmm. have uh where you have the lone samurai who is now you know the savior of mankind against this zombie horde 
Um, did you see, uh, what interested you about this particular project? Did you see, um, like a connection like I do between the of samurai course. and maybe the zombie? Of course, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I basically grew up watching, you know, uh, like great glorious golden age, you know, eighties, you know, sure. movies, action movie, horror movie, sci-fi movie, right? Uh huh. Like late seventies to eighties, even nineties, you know. Sure. That's, so I, I just, you know, I didn't even go to like school. I was just always hanging out in the, you know, movie theater or just rental video. 80s, sure. Right? Sure. <clears throat> so I got influenced mainly from you know Hollywood movies. Then um, I love the, you know, I can't really pick you know what is my all-time favorite movie, but. Uh, you know, like Mad Max, that's Mad Max, Mad Max 2, even sure. Thunderdome. I love all those, you know, movies. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. I really like uh, Razorback, director Russell Mulcahy, and his masterpiece, Highlander. So, uh, and of course, George Romero, Sam Raimi, all those, you know, horror movies, you know, where they were still doing this physical special makeup, you know, Tom Sabini, mm -hmm. Carl Flatton, you know, Rob Bottin, all those, the thing, John Carpenter, all that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I got influenced from everything. So um, when I made Versus, which is, I don't know, 22, 23 years ago, mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was... Um, 2002. Was yeah. 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 Yeah, but I started filming that movie back in 99, so 24 years ago, right? Okay, okay. And, you know... I was like, you know, on the edge, right? I I was determined to become the film director, but uh, you know, I was nobody, no money, no future. <laughs> and uh, versus was like my last and only shot. I was like, you know, if I can't break through with this movie, I'm done. You know, maybe I'm not I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not. I don't have luck. You know. Sure. Because uh, it's it's the fact, you know, you can't always do what you wish to do, right? So uh, you know, ever well, since it, I was, ever since I was seventeen, you know, I made up my mind that uh, I'll be the film director, and one day I'll be the Hollywood movie, you know, film director. But uh, life wasn't that easy when I was like twenty nine that time. So uh, this one last chance, I just you know do until I, you know. I was like, you know, it's not, it's not over till I say over. So, you know, there was no producer, no investor, no studio, nothing. It was just basically just me and, you know, just amateur, bunch of amateur guys. And it was an indie movie. So uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, keep on asking money to a lot of people when I was making that movie. But I just said, you know, it's not never enough. You know, I, I, I you know, it's not over till I say it's over. So uh, I just kept on, you know you know asking for money from a lot of people and they just kept on shooting 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 and one thing i wanted to do was be because this is my only chance to break through i just uh -huh. do everything i just throw in everything i love so the mm -hmm. basic uh, concept was basically like i said i wanted to do something highlander meets you know basically zombie meets With, george romero yeah <laughs> yeah, but with since you know I'm a Japanese and uh, yes I also watched like Long Wolf in the Cub, Zatoichi, sure. or the Kurosawa movie. I'm a Japanese filmmaker, so I have to put my my spirit in it, which is samurai. Sure. So sure. all right, uh, so basically it's a Highlander <laughs> mixture with a <laughs> zombie with Reservoir Dogs <laughs> and samurai and kung fu. So a little Christopher Lambert with yeah. Quentin Tarantino yeah. uh, influence. And the Kung Fu movie, Hong Kong <laughs> movie, which I also love. <laughs> well, I was going to tell you what, what I mean, I, I generally think that the reason that this film uh, sticks around with people and is popular even now with American audiences, I think what you touched on, you may not have realized it back in 1998, but what you touched on was a love for the zombie film and a love for United States for some reason you mentioned the 1980s United States has had a, a fascination at the box office with ninja uh oh, with Japanese warriors especially in the 80s when you had um when you had exploitation movies like enter the ninja 
we had they, Sam Furstenberg. Yeah, of course. We had we had Sam Furstenberg uh, on our show, who was uh, longtime '80s director, and he directed Ninja Three: The Domination and Enter the Ninja. And I'll tell you, the audience was uh, audiences were just eager for that. So I think what you hit on was combining the two, and I think that's the reason why um it did uh it did fairly well and it's resonated with american audiences so i think what you hit your last chance you hit you know the baseball home run yeah uh, and, uh, you know on it because you know yes back in the 60s you know 50s 70s japan was like you know leading country sure. making all sure. those you know Sure. crazy action movie right which inspired <laughs> George Lucas to do Star Wars right and <laughs> the last man standing on all that right but uh, somehow back in 90s late 90s nobody in Japan was making that kind of movie everybody told me like you know we are not Hollywood we don't have money like Hollywood and we are not Hong Kong we don't have any action stuff so in Japan we don't make action movie that's what everybody told me so that's why I ended up you know gave up going to the studio the production company of the producer i just knew that i had to do it myself because these japanese film industry don't believe in that anymore you know so um from day one when i started versus my target was outside so uh when i finished the movie i brought it to this uh great film festival called festival do Gerome, which is in france and Festival de Jérôme used to call Avoliates, and they discovered like Spielberg's Duel, Mad Max, all those movies, uh -huh. even Razorback. Mm -hmm. So I knew that uh, probably one film festival in the entire planet will discover me. Gotta be this, you know, French film festival called Festival de Jérôme, <laughs> and I took it there. I submitted, and uh, they accepted, and, and I did the. Uh, very first you know show at the midnight you know in this right. you know, snowy countryside of france and then the room was spread and i made a that time i made a deal with miramax and then that's when everything started to change that's when you started to you know realize oh my goodness there's fans out there <laughs> yes yeah, then of course if that happens <clears throat> You know, everybody in Japan, you know, started to change their attitude, which is which pissed me off. But I was lucky. But then this, you know, big producer, even though you know, you know, the versus was making some kind of noise all over the world in this, you know, fantastic sure. film festival. I was still nobody, you know. But then this uh, big producer, Amata Yamamoto, who watched the movie at a very small film festival in Japan, and. Two hours later, he watched Versus. He said, you know, you have to work for, for me. And I asked, what is it? And that was Azumi, which was so, <laughs> which was a big movie. <clears throat> well, and then you have, of course, you get signed on to uh, to do Godzilla Final Wars. Yes. Which is a yeah. hit internationally. It's a hit with the United States because everybody loves Godzilla. And... You, you seem to start on a roll. I, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about the Midnight Meat Train because I, I, I think it's one of your very best, most accomplished uh, works. And I thought it was interesting that um, uh, the, uh, the distributors decided to put it on the secondary market mm -hmm. and not on... The major screens mm -hmm. uh put it at the what they call the dollar theaters the discount theaters and so forth and it ultimately kind of didn't didn't do well or it was disappointing but uh, talk about the making of that film if you can and kind of talk about your feelings of how it was distributed yeah, I mean it's like 15 years ago, and I don't I don't feel like you know attacking everybody oh, well, okay. anymore. You know, it's talk Talk about the I, making I, I of was, it. I was shocked because yeah, that wasn't yeah. the plan, you know. Right. <laughs> you Google Midnight Meat Train, you still see this, you know, poster saying that, you know, it's going to come out in like May 16th or something, which is the best time of the year. Yeah, yeah. And it was all the politics, you know, something happened at sure. the, the studio sure. and, you know, the new boss decided to, you know, just uh, but, kill it. 
<laughs> which was which was painful but uh, then within this last you know i don't know i mean that was back in 2008 right yeah. so yeah this uh 15 years the film finally i think you know getting this you know cult status and recognized all over the world so which is you know which mm-hmm. kind of you know uh saved me because back in 2008 believe me i was i was desperate i mean i had no idea why you know because uh yeah it was supposed to come out in like in you know, the big and even my agent and my manager back back in those days were like you know they weren't really doing anything <laughs> because when, they said that when this movie opens up the phone will be ringing and i was like i'm a workaholic i don't mind and i finished the movie i want to move on to the, the next one but I uh, think that- they decided to wait until the movie comes out then like yeah. in a few months you know just before you know the movie was come out and it was somehow you know they pulled the plug so i don't really know you know because right. nobody explained to me i don't really know right i see well, a lot of you know conspiracy theory all over you know and i i was told a lot of things but uh the well, fact is nobody really told me what really happened right? let's talk about the positive uh, uh stuff on it because there's many on this uh, uh on this film first of all i want to congratulate you uh because you do use some uh cgi uh for computer graphics for effects mm-hmm. in this film but you also heavily emphasize the practical effect which i okay. absolutely you know just champion because it to me it gives on the whole it gives a more of a realism to uh you know to uh, to things um Kind of talk about that. Was there any challenge uh, to doing uh, the practical effects, the eyes poking out in some sequences? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, especially that was my first American movie. I felt like I need to put my stamp on it because Hollywood is where you have, you know, all the filmmakers come to Hollywood every day, right? Sure. uh, bunch of talented directors out there and you know what is the reason that i came all the way from japan i had to put my stuff on it <laughs> there so, you go uh, so you know i mean not only that movie every time i do the movie i always try to do that but especially uh-huh. that was you know my first american movie i kind of felt like i had to prove myself right so this is the guy did versus azumi and Godzilla. now he's doing versus american movie how good is he you know is he can he even speak english so uh, that was the challenge i had but um no i mean uh, and i was again very lucky on that pro you know the production because of course the luckiest thing was i had bradley cooper you know amazing actor right but uh even for the the dp because that was the you know dp and the director they have to be like in sync 100 they have to be like you know husband and wife right sure and it especially was my first american movie so producer gave me like you know 50 dvd still back in 2007 you know there was dvd mm-hmm. so you know they gave me 50 dvds of you know the very famous dps and i watched everything and i said i want to meet this guy and which was jonathan Thela. He now shoots all the John Wick movie, you know, and mm-hmm. Deadpool and all those, you know, David Leach movie, right? So Jonathan Sella was my DP. He was only like 28, you know, <laughs> when I when I met him, but uh, he was, you know, already the like the different level of genius. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky that I had Jonathan Sella on DP, and my stunt coordinator was David Leach. Amazing. He's now the you know big director, but the, he was the you know stunt coordinator so i was wow. surrounded by you know this like super talented super passionate you know crew which helped me a lot so uh, i worked on with the storyboard artist and i came up with like you know like the first big killer killing you know killing scene inside the subway where ted Raimi's eyeball you know then the head chopped off and rolls and i do the pov shots and that was before gopro age sure, <laughs> it, was, sure. It, was, it was really hard to how do you want to do the okay so the head chopped off and you want to do the pov of the shot of head rolling hit the wall then cut to that you know the reflection <laughs> pull back all the way and you see that the head is you know decapitated so I came up with that plan. I told my crew, and you know, everybody was like blown away. Like you know, this crazy Japanese director came up with this crazy. I mean, how are we gonna do that? And I, I was like, 
<laughs> you guys are like a top Hollywood crew. You guys figure it out. <laughs> my, my job is, you know, <laughs> come up with the vision. You guys do it. And they actually came up with like shot by shot by shot. You know, how do we do it? And I was like, extremely happy, you know, <laughs> because in Japan, you know, Japanese film industry is, you know, way behind from Hollywood, you know. It's just a fact, you know, because the scale is different and, you know, it's just so uh, every time even I was doing the Godzilla movie or Azumi movie, you know, I came up with this, you know, greatest action scene or the vision. Always, always, you know, I was told from my crew, my producer, from everybody, uh, boss, it's just we can't do that. I was like, why? You know, don't say we can't, you know, never say never. We there, There's got to be a way. But uh Every time I was like, you know, I had to fight. But uh, here in Hollywood, especially on that production of the Minami train, I come up with a crazy idea. My amazing crew somehow came up with the way how to do it, which was very fresh, new to me, and which, which made me very happy. So uh, I was really happy on the set, you know, making the movie. I was surrounded by great producers and a great crew and cast, which was amazing now, speaking as to the cast did you have an idea of bradley cooper's gonna be somebody yes it's, it's gonna be <laughs> so yes i mean <laughs> to be honest i didn't think that he go way up that fast but yeah. you know yeah. he was always great i mean he's he amazing yeah. he's amazing you know passionate energetic and actor but on top of that he's amazing human being I mean, I love him. Yeah, he, I still, you know, text him, and you know, he always, you know. <laughs> and he comes across <laughs> in interviews. He comes across in interviews as this guy of, put more makeup on me. If I have to have blood on me, if I have to have, if I have to get into a fight, a stage fight or something, let's do it, and let's do it, and let's do the best that we can. Uh, see that kind of gung ho type of actor. No, no, he was he was he was very serious about very passionate about what he's doing and you know we became very good friend and I I just right. nothing but the love and respect for him. And then you have Brooke Shields, uh who yes. I've adored, you know, since her You and everybody beginnings. else. Yeah. Since the late seventies, you know, the late seventies when she started. Uh how did that uh you know uh come about? Uh she's uh, she's she's fantastic. She was fantastic, and that was that was, uh, that was pretty amazing. So we were huh. searching for the role. Then somehow the casting director or the producer, I don't remember, but uh, sure. somehow, you know, called up Brooke Shields' agent. Uh -huh. And I was told suddenly that, you know what, do you have? Brooke Shields is coming to meet you. So like, what? I was like, what? <laughs> right? You're but like, wait course, a minute. But, but of course, you know, Brooke Shields, I mean, you know, she just was supposed to come to meet me, not like audition, sure. of sure. course, Brooke Shields, sure. right? Sure. Then she showed up and then, you know, she said, you know, okay, which scene you want to do it? Let's do it. So I was like, what? You, you, you going to, you going to read? And yeah. Said, of course. You're the director. I'm the actor, you know, actor. So yes. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. Right. So right. we did a couple of times and she was like, just like that in the movie. She was perfect. So Nailed I looked it. at my producer and he was like, wow, you know, it's Brooke Shields. So no doubt that, you know, she's going to be the one. <laughs> but then, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a funny, a funny story that, uh, you know, I told, you know, so, so Brooke was like, you know, hey, you know, if you have any, any, any notes, so it's, you know, just tell me. So I said, no, 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 you did amazing. So thank you. And I'm, but uh, I have to tell you this story. You know, goes back like 30 years, 35 years. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so said, you know, when I was like nine year old, you know, yeah, it's, it's a funny story. You know, uh, I lived in Australia for like a year, you know, because uh, for the family issue, I had to live there. Right. So uh, I was thrown into the local you know, school when I couldn't speak English at all. But, uh, you know, kids learn fast. So uh you know, I started to speak English and I, I started to make friends. And this guy, you know, Mark was my best friend when I was like nine years uh -huh, old, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. And we always used to go to the movie theater, you know, together. Then one day I saw, right after we came out of the theater, I saw 
the most beautiful movie best poster I ever seen, which was of Blue course Endless Love. Endless Love. Oh, Endless Love. Okay. So me and Mark, nine year old, we were just standing in front of the poster of Endless Love <laughs> for like three minutes <laughs> because she was so beautiful. You were so beautiful, right? Then I said, because I couldn't really speak English that time. So I asked Mark, you know, hey, Mark, what does this endless love mean? I didn't even understand endless love mean, right? So Mark told me, you know, it means nonstop F-U-C-K. <laughs> so I said, uh, what, 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 do you, what do you mean nonstop F-U-C-K? <laughs> he started <laughs> draw a painting on the notebook. <laughs> no, you have this and you got this and the girls have this. <laughs> And this goes here. I was like, I was nine years old. So I was like, what? Oh, that's that's F U C K. Yeah, that's what you call F U C K. Endless love means no stop F U C K. So like, I was, I laughed, right? So thirty years later, on the first day, in the first time I met Brooke Seals, I told her the story, and she loved me. <laughs> she laughed. Endless snogging. <laughs> I gotta tell you my story, and uh, Brooke. What you did. Laughing. But your friend should have just said was like endless, you know, <laughs> do hand gestures or something like uh you know something. First word sounds like Yeah. So you know, yes, that that's how oh. that's how I got her on board on the project and we had a blast, you know. Now she seems like the type who's just so down to earth it is uh yeah, it, it's just uh I mean every every cast from that movie was great. And then you had I what who I think is the king of Especially in the United Kingdom, B movie badasses in Vinnie Jones, who could play a silent tough guy as well as anybody. Um, how was he like? What you know? What? No, he was amazing too, and uh, his character Mahogany in the script you know, talked a lot. Right. But I, when I got on board, I was working on the script and decided to take out all his lines except one final word. You know, sure. at the end he says "welcome." That's it. Right, right. So I took I took out all the lines, and you know, if you take out lines, dialogue from actor, they'll do everything. <laughs> they need to express with using sure. their body, expression, sure. everything. When what he says with a look. But, it's uh, so, menacing, yeah. So, so Vinny started doing a lot of things. He's an amazing actor. He started doing a lot of things. Every time she does something, I ran to him and said, Vinny, but did it move? Don't move. Don't blink. Don't even breathe. Let the camera do the job. And he was like, uh, boss, you don't let me do anything. <laughs> but I was the one telling Vinny that, hey, Vinny, you're going to look, you know, that's so cool. Trust me, you know it's it's gonna it's it's gonna work. So uh, I basically kept on telling him that you know um, <laughs> don't do anything, you know walk slowly, you know don't blink, you know don't breathe, you know just stare at him, you know you don't have to do the scary faces, nothing, you know. But I think it worked, right? And when it comes to the action sequence, which was which was funny, uh, remember that. Um, there was a fight with uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson mm -hmm. in the subway, you know, Quentin right, 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 right. And uh, even when I was working in Godzilla, I'm a very, uh, you know, into this mixed martial arts, you know, see sure. all those, you know, the boxing, sure. everything. Sure. So I cast a lot of fighter for my Godzilla movie. So uh, when we were casting, you know, I just thought that, you know, what? What, what about Quentin Jackson? He's, he's cool. And he was on board, and we were, you know, shooting that fight scene mm -hmm. between Quentin Rampage Jackson versus Vinnie Jones. And all, all my, you know, this the real mixed martial arts fighter friends, they are like the most sweetheart. <laughs> they are like so nice. You know? <laughs> So of course, Quinton Jackson, yeah, you know, he's not Rampage at all. No. <laughs> when you meet him in person, he's like such a nice, nice guy, right? No, I've seen him in but, interviews, and he's the guy that walks up to you and gives you a hug. Stuff. Yes. That's <laughs> so terrifying. But it was his first movie, and only thing he's been trained is like, you know, he damaged the person for real, right? So he didn't uh -huh. really know how to do the action, you know. 
And he was so afraid of, you know, actually hit Vinny. So his action wasn't really good at all, right? Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, me and, you know, my, my stunt coordinator, David Leach, you know, goes to him every take and, you know, no, 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 do this, do this, do this. But then he, because it was his first movie, he couldn't really do it, right? So I just ran to him after a few takes and said, hey, hey, you're not listening to me. Do like this, and I started fighting this meeting. <laughs> and then the Quinto is like, whoa, boss, you don't, you don't have to fight. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know how to fight. Quinton, you have to do this. Do it like this. Then Quinto is like, I, I just don't want to hit, you know, hit him. So I said, you know, so I took him to the you know, edge of the set and said, hey, hey, Quinto, it's fucking Vinny Jones. <laughs> hit him, he doesn't, okay, it's Vinny Jones. <laughs> do it. Take it. He can take it. You know what? Google. Vinny <laughs> you know, Jones sucker grabbing a ball. Just yeah. Google that yeah. picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh shit. See? So that's 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 the guy you're up against. So you know, it's okay to right. get So because you have in this film, you have several brutal fights. Uh Bradley Cooper gets into some a brutal fight with Vinny Jones a few times. And I keep wondering. Did anybody like really get hurt in this uh, in this film because it looks so realistic? No, really. I mean, no. that's that's the reason David Leach is a you know is amazing is this... director now. You know, he was the best yeah. stunt coordinator. Yeah. You know, yeah, which I really appreciate that you know he he got on board and you know the producer got him. You know, because it's you know Midnight Mitra is a horror movie. It's not really the action movie, but. Sure. Uh, producer respect that you know i'm very serious about action sequence so i said and i need the best of the best and they got me david leach and he was amazing yeah so no nobody got hurt yeah yeah we were we were just you know having fun every day even though we were doing that crazy bloody action sequence yeah and i was like you know every day in that you know, tiny set of this subway train i every time i cut i run to the set and i said Hey guys, I'm sorry. Am I, am I, my English is not good enough. What did I say? I said mo blood. <laughs> not enough. Blood. Is this so hard? I, I mean, <laughs> just give me mo blood. <laughs> I was yelling yeah. every take, and uh, I was. Not, I I gotta ask you. Uh, you're talking about the subway uh, station. Uh, you filmed most of that at Metro Station in uh in los angeles um was there any challenge to that was there any difficulty usually filming actually, in confined no, quarters actually we shot only a couple of days oh, okay everything, everything when you inside the train it was just on a, a, on a set. warehouse in uh, okay. babak <laughs> okay yeah because you know yes it, 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 you know it was a different different time you know back in 2007 sure. so uh, we had much more budget than these days you know when doing sure. that kind of movie sure. but still it was it was smaller budget you know sure so uh, we were having difficulty you know finding the train actually and mm -hmm. if we ended up you know have to make the train car it's going to cost a lot of money so somehow we needed to find but we were having, you know, hard time. But I think, you know, we were looking around the, like a back lot of the Universal Studio. I think we found this, you know, just the one and a half car of the subway. I think, I believe that the Sam Raimi used for Spider-Man 2. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we picked that up. There's just the one and a half. And that's all we had, you know. So we wow. took that to the, not even the soundstage, we took it to the warehouse. Mm -hmm. And we basically went very old school way. And I'm glad that, you know, I came from indie guerrilla film making world in Japan, you know. Right. So what we did was, you know, we just had a, like a, like a, you know, the wood, long wood. And we just placed <laughs> the train car on top. And every time we have to run the train, we were just holding this, you know, this wood and shaking it. And we were just moving the lights outside to make it look like, you know, the train's actually running, but it was only, yeah, just one half car. That's all I had to shoot. Hey, you know, that's sometimes all you need. I mean, when they made Waterworld, they only had uh, 
you know, one angle they could use every time they wanted to do a different angle, they had to turn the island they're filming on. So of course. Th this is what you do when you make the film. Mm -hmm. now, as I said, I, I, I come in an area where we have a lot of uh, Asian TV and so forth. And something that kids don't see anymore is there used to be theaters that would be the dollar theater or something where you could go in, you could stay all day and they'd have a double feature and then something different in the evening that was for more adults. And that was a great way to lose a day as a kid. And they would show something different every single day. And uh, I saw a lot of Miyamoto Masashi there uh, uh, doing stuff. Mm. I love the samurai movies, a lot of Godzilla movies there. Loved, I loved all, all of that. Now you made this meat train and when you started talking about it, you, you, you sound sensitive about some of the aspects which may have gone on or that you weren't fully aware of, like distribution. Were there any other films that um, you kind of feel like, you know, you really want to go slap somebody around at the corporate office. Don't you know this was going to be a great movie? Get it out for it. <laughs> do something. Come on, come on, come on. I know mixed martial arts, man. Come on, let's do this. Have you seen my last movie? Uh, were there any other movies that you? No, he could just call Quentin Air, uh, Quentin, yeah. uh, Quentin Jackson. Quentin, I need <laughs> I your favor over here. Quickly, man. No, I can take care of myself, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean every movie making is is a battle, you know, and um, it's tough, you know, because because uh, making movie, I mean, set up the movie is one thing, you know, come up with the idea, come up with the script, then set up, you know, get the cast, get the financing is a one thing. Then when you get into the production, that's another thing, right? It's the, you you face like three hundred trouble every single day on the set. Everything can happen. Yeah. Then once you survive that, then of course post production. That's when all those you know studios and producers and investors you know opinions starts to flood into you, right? They want to mess with the you know edit. Sometimes they want to mess with the music and everything, right? And somehow you have to fight, and you know you need a lot of miracle to protect your vision i think you know as a director and even with all those challenges you know you uh you manage to keep your vision then when it comes to distribution that's a different story right that's completely basically out of your hand i was gonna say that that's not something you really have any control over and you just kind of throw it out to the wind and hope that somebody gets it out someplace and that people yeah, like so uh, yeah, so something like that, you know, to be to be honest, you know, probably, you know, 50% of, you know, my career, I wasn't really happy the way they come up with the poster or the trailer or the how they put it out there, right? And it's it's very sad, but, uh, you know, that's the world we have to somehow <laughs> find find a way to survive, right? So well, yeah, that, that, that's why uh, I think, you know, movie like Versus or even Azumi still, you know, you know, stands out after 20 years, because like I said, Versus was very independent movie. So I was basically the producer. So I came up with the design for the poster. I cut trailer myself and it did well all over the world. Right. But uh, then I get a big movie. Then, you know, that part is out of my hands. Well, you are the director, you know, we are the professional. We know how to sell this movie. So let let it let the pro do the job. And most of the time they don't do good as I do myself. So which is very frustrating, but what can I do? But you know? I'll tell you, every once in a while though, you get something like that midnight meat train, uh, where the distributor thinks one thing and then the audience over the years says no. This is a, a you know this is a Kitamura film. We really know who you know this type of uh, what this type of film is, and we like it, and that's why it's sticking around. That's why it's uh, you know it's it's mentioned today. That's and, that's really, uh, and you so know, I forth. really appreciate you know this yeah, yeah. Uh, support from you know all over the yeah. fans all over yeah. the world in all these years, and yeah. you know like like you know, unlike you 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 know. I'm glad that you said that, but you know when the Godzilla came out in Japan, it wasn't success. Twenty years oh, ago, I loved it. I no. know, I, I know, I, I I still love it, but uh, it wasn't success. And I had a huge fight, you know, with 
those you know promotion people because i felt like you know you guys are not doing your job you know right i spent i spent two years of my life and this is this is my reason of existence and you guys just came on board final two months and you just fucking up everything <laughs> but, uh, if you said that yes! then they, but yes but you know if you said that you know i'm a very straightforward person you know, but uh you know no matter how gentle you say that you say that oh. they think oh this director is hard to handle that's what they think so i was like jesus so you then, become blackballed and, and they I don't know. want to work so with then you then once yeah. once you open the movie you know movie came out you know 2004 in japan it didn't do any good right which was very heartbreaking for me you know yes but then you know i just like yesterday i just did the interview for Japan, for about you know the Godzilla Final Wars, sure. because um, they are releasing new like just deluxe edition, like big book, uh -huh. only focused on Godzilla Final Wars. I was like, <laughs> after 19 years, you guys doing this fifty dollar big book, only one of those steel on books, I think, yeah. one of those steel books they call it. Yes, yeah. So yeah. you know, it was a. Uh, you know, again, it's just like Midnight Meat Train. It, it didn't do well when it came out in Japan, you know, 20 years, you know, 19 years ago. But in this long time span, you know, it's right. now it is like a classic, which saved me. You know, now, Arson, go ahead. Arson, now. Arson never appreciated in their time. You know, <laughs> you're talking about being in control of your, your smaller indie movies and they... Uh, you have a lot more control and you feel like they do better. Uh, I just came off the set today and my associate and I, Brandon, uh, were talking about exactly that, that, you know, you take an idea to the studio and they're going to crunch numbers and it's going to be whatever statistically they say will do the best. Here's, here's what your, your hero is going to be named now. Here's what the heroine's going to be named and, and all that stuff. And it's in the indie movies that you get innovation. It doesn't always work directly. Sometimes somebody else sees that and they take it and they make it into something really cool. But indie movies is where the real guts of a movie comes out. And I'm so glad that we, we ha still have that and we have more of it going on these days. Because we there's some really cool stuff. We have a film fest and we see some really cool sure. stuff from little people that would never get a feature length film. And so we're really happy that you got to make these indie films and go on to other things, but we hope you haven't forgotten the whole indie part and, and maybe you'll, you know, maybe you need some bald guys in your next zombie samurai flick because we, hey, we, we can't. We're available. Yeah. No, I, like no, I said, no, lots no, of Toshiro Mofuni in my life growing up. No, 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 not at all, you know, because I, I know where I came from, which is, you know, indie guerrilla film making world in Japan, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I'm the kind of the guy, if I have like 10 days off, one week off, even three days off, I just go out and do something, you know. So, yeah. uh, Are you the kind of guy how, that starts? That, that, that's almost how I made this movie, new movie called The Price We Pay. Because, you know, same year, we sh I shot that movie back in 2021, right after the lockdown, you know, end of the pandemic. And that year I shot, you know, completely different movie back to back you know one was the price we paid then i went back to japan and there i did this you know much bigger studio movie called the three sisters of temaso which is very different movie from what i've done which is very you know emotional fantasy human drama you know so uh i'm very flexible doing this indie guerrilla style filmmaking hardcore horror movie the price we pay in america then go to Japan, do this heartwarming story. So uh, I always, you know, I don't really care where do I make movie or what kind of size, or is it the studio? Is it the indie movie? I just, you know, I always just try to do what I love. Well, you're talking about you well. the, the price we pay. Uh, I, I was just, uh, you know, I'm loving it. I saw it as kind of uh, similar to what uh, Robert Rodriguez uh, did with From Dust Till Dawn which is about it's essentially about bad people getting a very harsh come up it's and in this case is like they're you know they're 
they're having to pay. You know, they they, they commit this crime, and you know, which uh, which one person gets uh, uh, you know gets killed, another one gets shot at this robbery, and then there's a penance to be paid, where they end up in this terrifying ordeal in this remote farmhouse. Um, what gets to me about uh, about this, what just draw, drew, drew me in, was your cast, your characters. There are characters you really do care about. Uh, there are, uh, you know, like I said, Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff could play the reluctant tough guy hero with the best of them. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that, uh, you know, that he won't interfere if he sees someone getting mugged until he sees the bad guy kick a dog or 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 hit a child and then he's like shit why do they have to go and do that for and then he takes he takes action uh, he, he is that type of uh, that type of guy he is terrific i thought emil hirsch was um psychotic Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you have, you have Vernon Wells, uh, you know, showing up, at, you know, probably the quintessential villain, mm-hmm. uh, the quintessential human monster. Um, talk about that for, uh, uh, you know, for a, uh, for a bit, that cast, the making of this, uh, this film. Um, what location did you use for, uh, uh, you know, for this? This looked pretty remote. Yeah, we shot in uh, this town called uh, Las Cruces in New Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the summer of uh, 2021. I uh-huh. basically came up with this idea with uh, this uh, my writing partner who's in London. Mm-hmm. And I met him during the lockdown when we didn't have much to do anyway, right? Sure. And instead of, you know, getting depressed or worried about the uh, you know, end of the world, you know, I just, you know, started the trading idea with Chris that, you know, let's do something, you know. And if the world don't open up, then, you know, I just, you know, bring my friends and we just go out to the, you know, desert. I live in California, desert, and we just do something, you know, indie movie, you know, mm-hmm. because I know how to do it. Right? Sure. If I only have like $5,000, I'll find a way to do it $5,000, you know, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. Let's come up with this idea. So we started, you know, trading idea. And then uh, Chris Jolly came up with the basic concept of the price we pay. Uh-huh. What 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 fascinated me was that the character that Barnum Wells played, the doctor. Sure. He has his own, you know, code of samurai, you know, code sure. of the, you know, lord that, uh, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, human waste living while these good people are dying. Why don't I just, you know, kidnap this guy and take the organ, you know, organ out and give it to <laughs> people who deserve better life, you know, you know. Right. And. It's twisted, but I kind of agree that, you know, because a lot of good people die every day. And, you know, while right. this, you know, piece of shit lives long. Right. I like that. You know, I like that this crazy, you know, character, doctor character. So, you know, let's, let's, you know, may turn into the script and we quickly turn into the script. But at that point, of course, it's, it's got a little bigger than, you know, just me and my friends go out to the desert because we needed the underground dungeon and the farmhouse. But still, it was pretty low budget. Well, you still so, you got Emil Hirsch and you've got Stephen Dorff, uh, you know, know who were the, stars. Yeah, but the, my original intention was, you know, doing like very small indie movie, you know. And sure. because of this frustration of, you know, the world being locked down for almost two years, you know. I was while I was brainstorming with Chris, I was still like, you know, I just want to do something crazy, something like a very 90s vibe, you know, all those, you know, the fun movies we used to watch, you know. So uh, and again, just like when I did the verses, you know, let, let's let's do this. Let's do the serial killer. Let's do this, you know, crazy doctor taking out the older, you know, organ. And let's do something like like you said, from dusk till dawn. You think it's a gangster heist movie turns into completely different direction, you know. Just put everything we love, and that's how we came up the script. Then, this uh, producer in New Mexico, he did the movie, you know, before, right before this movie with Emil Hush. So he just sent the script to Emil Hush, and found out that Emil was a fan of me. He loves horror movies, and he loved the script, and he said, "I want to do it." 
So all of a sudden, this small friends project, <laughs> like I was like, "What? Emil Hash wants to do it? Okay, I mean that's great." Then Emil did another great thing. He called his buddy, who was Stephen Doof. So uh, that day, I was I was in、uh, Japan Town in LA with my friends lunchtime, and I I just ordered you know miso ramen noodle. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Somebody somebody called me from unknown number. So I said, "Hey, who's this?" And he said, "It's, it's Stephen Dove."、So、like, oh shit, it's Stephen Dove. <laughs> and I knew that my ramen was coming, so <laughs> I had to do it very quick. <laughs> like, oh ramen, man. <laughs> Because in, I know that American people they take out, you know, they Uber ramen, but the Japanese, no, we can't. We can't allow that. Ramen, you have to eat it while it's hot. Yeah. Right. Right. I was、right. like, shit! I just saw that ramen. It's coming in like ten minutes. I have to do this quick. So、uh, yes, but you're also thinking, oh my god, it's Stephen Dorff. <laughs> I know. I got, and Stephen got... said, you know, hey, I read the script. I like it. And you know, Emil says great thing about you. So you know, what are you thinking? What is your vision? You know, tell me. So I told him very quick. You know what I was thinking, my、uh, my style, and I said this is going to be challenging because we don't really have much time, much money, and time anyway. And still, it's in the time of pandemic, so it's going to be challenging. So we all have to go into the trench. It's going to be like a war. But、uh, if you get on board, that'd be great. I want to do this with you. And he, after like, you know, ten minutes, he said, "I love everything you said. You know, I'm in." So suddenly, we had Emil Hush and Stephen Dove. And the way that you wrote his character, I actually started to think that. This was a guy who was—you、uh, said he was a a, a medic, a, a medic in the army—and、mm-hmm. he's a guy who's just—he's not looking to kill people. He seems like a guy who's got a family somewhere, and he's、mm-hmm. just looking to make a score to get back to them because something has happened in his life.、Uh, daughter needs an operation or something like、uh, like that. So he's he's really the good guy. Kind of just involved with really bad people,、mm-hmm. and I,、uh, I just, I really, there's something about Stephen Dorff that makes him just makes you want to like him,、uh, you know, essentially. And、uh, I thought that that mix, mixed very well with Emil Hirsch's. I'm happy being a psychopath, almost. <laughs> almost. And it,、uh, it, was, it was it was amazing that because Emil got the script first, right? Yeah. Yeah,、and、he chose to play that one. I was, I asked him, so like, don't you want to play the hero character? And he's like, no,、nah, I want to play the psychopath. And I'm just like, amazing, Emil.、Yep. And he came, came up. He's like a fountain of idea, Emil. And I, and I will say that that、um, uh, I do want to、uh, to say that the young、uh, lead Tyler Sanders, terrific, terrific as the、mm-hmm. boy who just wants a normal life,、mm-hmm. and. Very saddened to you know to read of his passing last、uh, last June,、yep. and、uh, we won't get into the, you know that too much. But、uh, can you reflect on kind of the the person that Tyler Sanders was and what he brought to the role? No, he was he was amazing. I found him in the audition, and you know, he was the only one that really standing out. And、uh-huh. he you know and he was he was like I mean he was probably the hardest you know. Chaotic, you know, filming in my entire career of like twenty plus years, because I only had basically one. I only had five days to prep that movie, and I、uh-huh. only had fifteen days to shoot that movie. And it's not like you know one situation, two people talking kind of movie. We had like action and blood and guts and everything. Sure. So sure. To do that, you know, prepping five days and shooting fifteen days—that was chaos, right? So of course, and everybody was under the pressure and the tension, and、uh, you know, a lot, a lot of, and 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 you know, like movie set, you know, everywhere,、uh-huh. Every, uh-huh. every day, a lot of trouble, problems shows up. Yeah. yeah. But、uh, Tyler was, and he was obviously the youngest, and、yeah. you know, and he was he was there with、uh, his mother, and、uh, they were like amazing, you know. Yeah. And one day.、Uh, Tyler's mom came to me in the middle of chaos. Everybody shouting and losing temper, and it just、sure. nothing working that day. <laughs> Tyler's mom came to me and said, "Like you know, you are really like you know Zen master, Yuhei. In this chaos, you're always calm, and you know exactly what you're doing. 
And mm. it's amazing, you know. I'm always uh -huh. like, talking with my son that you know you're an amazing director. So like I'm like, thank you so much, you know. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler did amazing, and the last time I saw him was yeah. you know he came in to do the ADR, yeah. and he was really looking forward to you know. So that was the first time you know he saw the the part of the movie yeah. right because he was yeah. doing the ADR, and he was sure. so happy. And you know, and last time I said was and I hugged him and I said, oh, let's see you at the premiere soon. That was the last time, which was May. You know, right. Last year. So uh, that, was, right. that was sad, but uh, you know, just yeah, just I, a wonderful. I, I think at least you know he's he's shining in the movie. He's, yes, he's glorious in the movie. It, it was amazing. He plays such um, an innocent kid, but there is a strength a strength about him, a courage to do what's yes. right. Mm -hmm. And you saw that in the sequence where he is. Um, where she's strapped down, where the uh, the heroine is strapped down on the table, and he starts to kind of nudge the instruments toward her mm -hmm. as she was looking at to try to break out, uh, and and so forth. After she's talking to him, talking and pleading with him, he finally just realizes, "I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I can't do this kind of killing." So, mm -hmm. you know, he helps her, and then of course it's he's involved heavily in the in the ending. And I thought there's so much going for this young man and i wish i could see uh see more but it is a tremendous performance yes mm -hmm. so uh tell us a little bit more as we wrap it up tell us a little bit more about this new uh feature you talked that you just mentioned that you're doing yes. in japan and what's what's on the horizon else for yeah, you so this movie called the three sisters of tamaso which is based on the manga Oh. Created, created by uh, he's like my my brother in Japan. He's a huge, uh, big manga artist, and I did the movie called Alive based on his manga, and I did the TV series and the movie called Sky High based on his manga. I mm. even did the movie called Love This based on his manga. So he's like my my other half. So uh, he made created this uh, amazing manga called the three sisters of Tenmaso uh, nine years and it took me nine years to make it uh, it was it wasn't easy uh, but uh, it is a beautiful uh, human drama takes place on this you know Japanese style hotel on top of the mountain in this small seaside town in Japan countryside which Japan. so this hotel is run by you know uh, two sisters right Two sisters, but the, the younger sister, she's, uh, you know, working for the, at the aquarium. She loves to, you know, train dolphin. So she doesn't really help about the hotel. So the elder sister is the only one taking care of the hotel. But the, this hotel is very unique. Why? Because they only take, basically only take one guest at that time. So the guest who check into this hotel is somebody who's in coma in our world so this spirit between life and death goes to this hotel check in while they stay while you know they stay at this hotel you know nice ocean view nice seafood spa everything you know it's a traditional japanese inn so they they treat you you know with this you know best hospitality right while you stay in this hotel you look back your own life and when you check out you have to make a decision. Did you have enough? You want to go to the go up or life is hard, but you want to wake up down there. So it's very amazing concept, a very, you know, touching story. So when I, when, you know, this uh, amazing manga artist, Tsutomu Takahashi, you know, published that book, I, I fell in love with it. And I said, you know, hey brother, I have to do this no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are easily try to categorize who you are, right? So, yes, everybody think I'm an action director. I'm a horror director. So it, was, it wasn't really easy for me to get the finance to do this heartwarming fantasy human drama. But uh, I did it and the movie came out in Japan. Hopefully it's going to come out, you know, all over the world. It's now it just uh, came out in Taiwan like last week so nice. uh, it's now nice. it's slowly expanding to the world so i really hope that you know american audience can see this movie too but uh 
I believe that this is the best movie I, I ever made so far. Excellent. So uh, that's the movie I just did. You know, uh, movie came out in Japan end of last year. And so I, I can imagine the way Karma is. Your next movie is going to be a uh, romantic comedy. No, uh, no, no. I'm not, no. I'm not going that direction. But uh, no, no. Next one, I'm going back to yes, something that I, I you know, I, I was going to say something. Some, a horror comedy. comedy. Well, That's romantic all comedy American involved. horror hosts. No, it's, it's a kind, kind of thriller horror movie. I'm hoping to, you know, we are aiming to start shooting like soon, pretty soon, April, May. <laughs> I was so gonna say, right, oh. now, right now, I'm every day working on the storyboard and, you know, like soft prep of this movie. But uh, I love the script and it's like kind of like Dead Calm meets something else. Yeah. I said, no, no. Dead Calm, right? That was, that was a great, yes. great movie. Oh, that was you know billy zane was terrifying in that uh, uh in that great film. sam neil nicole yeah. kidman i mean just three cast and amazing right and uh, yeah. i love that movie so uh kind of like that you know this movie i'm, I'm doing next all right well I, then, I just uh, i keep yeah. expecting that there's going to be uh it'll be like zombies and samurai in a rom-com kind of thing of no no <laughs> I'm working on it, and everybody for 20 years, everybody been asking me when when will be the versus two, and uh, okay. okay, I'm working on it. There will there will never be versus two, but yes, there will be completely new reboot. My version of versus Fury Road is coming. Just so, try uh, to try to make sure that you can get Stephen Dorff back because he's terrific, uh, <laughs> or or talk to Bradley Cooper. Maybe he might still do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so yeah, a lo lot of things yeah, <laughs> coming, but right now I'm focusing on this uh, this next movie, which I uh, should be start shooting soon. Well, that's and yeah, I, fine. I, as, as always, I try my best to, you know, my my latest movie should be my best movie. That's what I at least trying every time. Movie, movie making is not that easy, but uh, you know, so I really do my best. That well, it seems movie. like you have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of passion for it. Uh, where can people find you on? Uh, if if you have, do you have a fan site or something where people can find you on social media? Yeah, uh, I have Instagram. Know. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you, people can check it out. I, I I cannot. If you've not seen Midnight Me Train, if you've not seen The Price We Pay, if you've not seen Godzilla: Final Wars, if you've not seen the output of Mr. Kitamura's career, I cannot recommend it highly enough it thank is you. it is tremendous tremendous work thank you so much for joining us so today you are uh you are terrific al any final words to take us out well, i'll take us out with the words we always take out with yes horror films keep america strong <laughs> that's <laughs> right thank you and for al omega and uh uh for uh is it Ryuhei Kitamura? Ryuhei Kitamura. It's pretty gross. Ryuhei. Okay, I'm trying. Uh, it's all right. I'm uh, Kevin Nicholson. Uh, thanks for joining. Have a good one. Thank bye -bye. you. Thanks. Bye-bye.